0: Wakanda
1: forever. How you doing, man? Oh, it's been a fun day. Ooh, do tell. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going on a retreat this weekend. Very excited about that. Very, very nice, nice. How do I sound? Do I sound weird? I'm just trying to play around. No, with you sound good, man. Very good, good. I'm, I'm... Did you push record? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, that's all I care
0: about. And you <laughs> sure it's recording, yeah, right? So
1: positive. That one time I could have sworn I hit record and I didn't.
0: Well, the only reason why you didn't is because it wasn't toggled. I've did, we did that all the time in the beginning, or at least I did. I forget. What
1: is this? toggle me
0: well well you know like the 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 application itself wasn't selected so you go to click the record button and all you just did was select the application and perform the act yeah
1: that's right that's right drives me insane (laughs) insane oh yeah man i am uh you know uh, okay so i'm gonna make a promise really quick to all for everyone out there in podcast land i'm gonna stop doing okay that little sound there i'm gonna try yeah i don't know if i'm gonna yeah right (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh we make so many false promises because we're older millennial males um <laughs> uh yeah just so lo- there's a lot of stuff going on i'm going on a retreat this weekend hopefully very excited what kind about of that. retreat is it it's gonna be really cool so i'm i'm gonna take up on so if you guys recall from our episode what was it called on the new year's resolution or sorry the new year theme, theme. yeah uh, one of them that, that was my theme for you yeah huh? yeah so i'm going on a retreat this weekend and. New York will be about an hour outside of Manhattan, so I'm not going to the city at all, just providing some geographical context. Uh, me and Bradley Barnes, you guys will recall from our live in live in Cincinnati episode, is me, me and him are going on, we're going to go, it's kind of like a silent retreat where the only time we're going to talk is when with a priest, we get a half hour of spiritual direction, and then as a group we come together to pray all of, the liturgy of the hours and to discuss them then the rest of the time we spend in silence. So
0: very excited. I thought you were going to say the only time we talk is uh
1: when we're tickling each other. <laughs> no, <laughs> this no, is the weirdest retreat I've ever been on. <laughs> and I was involved in life team. This is weird. This is very weird. <laughs> what is that supposed I don't to know. Mean? I don't know. Were you ever in a life team parish? Should you ever do life team? Not really, but I practically did. I mean, <laughs> the my uh this is going to sound like an insult. I really don't mean it to be at all. Um, Too late. My parish, my parish um, youth group. Please recall, everyone, this is back in the late in the late nineties and the very very early aughts. Um, was uh, run by my best friend's parents, who converted from Protestantism, but like not all the way, if you will. Or something. <laughs> so it was very much a Protestant esque youth group. And when I heard everyone else describe what their life team parish was like, I was like, "Oh, ours was exactly the same except we didn't have mass." Like, so everything else was the same, <laughs> but that. Wow. So okay, which which again, I don't mean as an insult, just pointing out uh, the similarities between the two. So right, yeah. I had I had a you could call
0: you could call Michael Gormley uh, the product of two different youth groups, youth group number one in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma that. Sucked and then you, it didn't suck. I shouldn't say it sucked, but it was one of those things where you're still trying to figure out what youth ministry is, you know? Yeah, well, it's what like in, in that part of town. Yeah, and then I go and I moved to Houston at a big suburban parish, which I went to suburban parishes. I went to I even went to a big suburban parish, but it was more, um, more along the lines of, uh, or they had life team, life team got started the year I moved there. So, um, yeah, it was, it's been a kind of like a part of my life. Ever since.
1: Hmm. Nice. Yeah. No, I mean, we, uh, I mean. And I
0: gave a talk the opening night. I gave my witness and I talked about how I was addicted to pornography. And they were like, get that guy off the stage. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) I way overshare. Like,
1: this is a desperate plea for help. What are your thoughts on teens giving testimony at things?
0: Uh, I think it's important, but they need to be taught what that means. Most teens are not at all taught how to give testimonies at
1: all. Yeah, I, I'm actually rather against it, not not yeah. against it, because I I agree. I think it is very important for them to discuss what like what God has done. especially even during the, like the course of a re, of a retreat. But it's um because I I think the hard part is when you give the whole here's a three minute test. You know, here's a three minute testimony. Like, what did God? What was I beforehand? How did God work? How how is my life? I'm better right now. I think most teens for the most part they're not in a place where they can really understand that and then to ask them to articulate that well is pretty next to impossible so i yeah. I, th- I think you can do it about an ex- an experience you just have to like really walk them through how do i get this point across in a couple minutes which is like hard so um,
0: i had some i have some teens that listen to our show that used to be teens in my program back in austin at saint john newman and uh i see them every so often when i do events and i just think about the retreat that was a teen-led
1: retreat that i shut down <laughs> i think maybe it got, i'm so I, glad that like you have like right after you said a ta like teen-led retreat that you've that you also said right afterwards that i shut down an immediate like follow-up
0: which yeah.
1: very important yeah no I mean that's what I did. So
0: I was there in the summer. And they all knew me because they would go to a life teen summer camp and I was a speaker there. And I think they went two, maybe three times while I was a speaker. And I so they all were like, Oh my gosh, Gomer's gonna be our youth minister, how cool, the guy, speaker guy, yay. And uh <laughs> just you wait, And kids. I get there. Yeah, I know. It was such a weird time. Uh I I shut it down before like my first like two weeks. There, I was like, they were describing this retreat and I go, oh, that's not happening. <laughs> and I just, I just totally nixed it. And I, I'll never forget these teenagers were at a swimming pool and they were like, you know, I'm the only adult at the swimming pool. I mean, the parents were there, but they were in the house and we're talking and they're like, Hey man, we really want to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And then they're or like, there's, there's like a wee thing. It's like, this is going to end with a big firm. No. Yeah. And they're like, we really think you should, you should let us have that, that retreat again. And I was like, well, okay, well tell me why. Like, well, you know, it's just it's just been part of our lives for so long at the church, and we all went on it as freshmen, and it's, like, the thing we look forward to. And I said, okay, that makes sense. And I said, like, and he goes, like, for instance, and he totally undermined himself with this line, there's this girl, she hasn't been to church since freshman year, and she was really looking forward to giving, to coming back and giving her testimony. I go, okay, let me let me get this straight. You think I'm going to let a teenager... Who doesn't have a relationship with God? Does not go to church. Does not is not involved in any way, shape, or form. Going to give a testimony in front of kids on a church retreat. What's she going to talk about herself the whole time? And he goes, "Huh? Yeah, no, no, no. That makes sense." And I said, "And let me ask you: When you were there as a freshman and you're watching these seniors, did it seem like they were talking about God, or did it seem like they were um, just doing a lot of like crying over their horrible lives?" he was like, yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely was that. So literally that kid who was a senior, an incoming senior, he talked all the other kids out of being mad at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I remember I had that happen when I was a principal, like three of the, the seniors came into the office and they wanted to have a person like do a thing at uh, their graduation. And I remember just being like, yeah, this isn't going to work out just so you guys know, but you, you can go ahead and try like i'll yeah. i'm like i'm i'm all ears and they just did it i was like yeah yeah we're not gonna do that <laughs> this is kind of like it's just there's this element of um like you uh have to treat teens um yeah you know, i really do think it's important that you respect well for one you have to respect their individuality like them as a person you know speak to um, be like with them not at you know that's, there's all that stuff that is really important because like they do have like a worth obviously and then too like they're starting to develop their own identity and they're trying to grow it and you want to be able to like say that's a really that's like a good thing but there's always like the like 22 year old this is true and like you know in. In education, Someone i kind of use, like, that lens. But I'm sure it's true in, like, youth ministry as well. Whether there's one, you know, where you go, I'm really going to, like, reach the kids. And I, then I always think, oh, your life is going to be terrible until either, A, you quit or, B, like, March. And it always <laughs> happens because they're like, oh, having to manage a classroom is terrible. And there's actually a whole skill set that I did not think I needed to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast of a guy, who uh, CGP Gray, who used to be a physics teacher. And he was saying how in England, after you have to go to this, like, this is how to teach seminar thing. And it's this multi-week certification program. So, like, he had a physics degree, but then they wanted to get his teaching, whatever. I don't know what it, a teaching certificate. And uh, he said all of the people that started, and he had 40 people in his class, all the people that started who said things like, I want to inspire future generations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I you know, I'm gonna. He said, not one of them lasted. Mm-hmm. He said it was really funny. There were eight of us that were there at the end of the class, and he said he distinctly remembered them saying things like him and his statement was like, "Why do you want to be a teacher?" And he's like, "I like physics. I like teaching physics. I like talking about physics. And uh, pretty sure I want a job where I don't have to work in the summers." <laughs> and they were all like, "Yeah, no, me too. I just don't want to work in the summer." Yeah, like, okay. They were the ones who survived because it's like, this is a job. Yeah. Like, you have to apply a skill set. You can't ride a wave of um, of sentimentalism into, into any sort of competency.
1: No, it's totally, it's to, it's completely a craft that I think takes, uh, I mean, really, honestly, like, your first year when you teach is terrible. It's the absolute worst. It's the most exhausting by far. You're having to basically put the tracks right ahead of the train while it's going very fast. And um, it's horrible. But if you learn, like, you, you'll you You'll get better at it if you're trying to understand that this is the thing that I'm trying to work on. And it just, I mean, it's just like in anything, like it takes, it takes, it takes time, you know? Yeah. Would you say that it takes
0: two to make a thing go right? <laughs> oh, it takes two to make it out of oh. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to do the. No, you nailed it. You nailed it. I'm so proud of you, Luke. Yeah. I, Man, that was a weird tangent. So we already made fun of high school led <laughs> retreats and testimonies
1: <laughs> and then Teachers. <laughs> teachers. Nice. <laughs> well, nice. it's just like well, I'm mean, like here. Oh, this. Oh, sorry. Here's here's what I almost um, wanted to say because I wanted to insult teenagers. Um, like mm. they're idiots. Like yeah. Like all of us can like sit back and go, yeah, I did things when I was a teen that was absolutely atrocious and stupid and dangerous and dumb, and I should be fired from any job that requires any amount of responsibility because I did that. But the wow. thing is, is you're supposed to. You're, I mean you aren't, I'm supposed to do bad things, but like your brain is developing in a way where you're going to take these risks to understand like the stove's hot. How do I learn that the stove's hot? And it, and um it becomes dangerous when you empower that, or think that that's uh, a thing you should always be doing. Like the point is to grow out of it. So then you learn, okay, this is how the stove's hot. This is how, this is how it gets hot. This is when I not, I should not put my hand right there. Like, it's the, it's, it's, it's what you do with your, with your kids when they're two, but you're applying it to a person who's 18 because it's on a much more calm, com, a much more complex. And I mean, like, honestly, I'm more, um, just, I mean, on like all, like all levels intellectually, spiritually, um, your own emotions, all of it. Can you tell that I have some thoughts on that?
0: <laughs> I was reading, actually, it was really funny. I was reading something on education lately. And, uh, there was this bizarre link and I was like, what is this about? It's either Boston college or Boston university is teaching a course to high school students on, um, uh, the, the lessons of pornography. Oh, Not yeah. What is pornography teaching us? You know, like, or how is pornography ruining us as a society, but rather at one point the educator, the college professor or doctor or whatever in charge of the program was like, clearly pornography isn't going away and we're not here to scare kids away from looking at it with um you know by by threatening telling them it's going to have adverse effects to their mental or sexual health which is ridiculous i'm like really cuz my buddy Matt Fratt knows some neuroscientists that would
1: like to disagree with you. I have an but... I have an Australian friend who would love to kick you in the face. <laughs> who would
0: love to go full kangaroo on you? <laughs> <laughs> and Australia. You bachow. Bachow. <laughs> Australia cha. Might, might, might. And then he uppercuts him and goes, check mate.
1: <laughs> 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 so I just like imagine him go around be like, Chris, Chris Hemsworth, alligator. That one, like nature guy, kick. That one
0: nature guy. God rest his soul. Yeah, no. God bless that man.
1: Margot Robbie. <laughs> I'm going to hit
0: you with the left hook known as Iggy Azalea. <laughs> <laughs> Early Mal Gibson films, <laughs> Mad Max. <laughs> the one but nothing with after. Turner. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm holding in my hand right now? Mm. I want you to guess what I'm holding in my hand, Luke. Uh, Matt Frad's new book. How did, you, literally, that's what I'm doing. How did you
1: know Listen, that? we talked, we spent so much time together now.
0: That <laughs> How the hell did just, you know? It just came in the mail like an hour
1: ago. I just know you and your segues. Oh, I am fondling
0: this, uh, the book, the pages. It's got a nice, uh, nice book feel, book
1: feel. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, en route, en route press in St. Louis. Never heard of them. I'm excited to read it because he uh, gave me the ebook copy. So I'm going to fire up the yep. old Kindle at some point in time and- I up the old what do you call him you know uh,
0: uh, fan of the show friend of the show I don't know if he's a fan but he's definitely listened uh the old uh TJ Burdick TJ Burdick I did a video series for him or a uh, interview thing with him he uh who haven't you done a uh video series for this is man here. man I know and I'm kind of overwhelmed <laughs> I'm kind of overwhelmed Luke right now I'm doing a morality series with young adults who have special needs oh that's amazing it is amazing. It's a lot of fun. The, the people at our church who are doing it. So I do the community group stuff, right? And they just take the videos, break them up, and then do them for the kids. Well, I had a sore throat for a month. And so I've had all these backlogs of videos that I've been needing to do. And we're not doing the community groups thing this year. Mostly my fault. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, uh, you know, I, I thought I was off the hook even after I'd written this curriculum out. And the, the lady sent me an email. She's like, hey, waiting for the videos. Our group starts uh, Thursday. I was like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. (laughs) Totally forgot. So last yeah, so I just ran a three night mission at my church. Priest leaves, I clean everything up, close it all down, grab the lighting and the camera and to drag it back into the church and record. (laughs) And I ended up recording for about an hour at ten o'clock at night. In my church, uh, to have this video. So, if you care about it, I have a. I think you got to search for Michael Gormley on YouTube and maybe community groups, and it'll come up. But uh, yeah, I just did one. It's called Life of Christ, and it's a morality series, an introduction to morality for adults with special needs. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing some stuff for good old Tony and other things. So I'm excited. I'm a busy man, which is why Luke, we have to keep to a promise for this episode. Hmm. No ethnic slurs. <laughs> no cussing. No mentioning hmm. of, you know, wildly inappropriate things. Nothing mm-hmm. inspired by Family Guy or Family Guy-esque
1: comments. Okay, I won't do anything. Yeah. Uh, why, why am I? Like, you're, is this is, okay. I, here we go. I here totally we go. agree with that. But you're the one who always, like, I will start to not uh, do things, and then you'll start to kind of hint at it. And I you'll know. wind me up, and I'm really, I like, I, I try to not. It's like, you just can't, like, <laughs> you got to respect the boundaries because you cross it. My brain just goes, and I say <laughs> things that I, you know, don't think about. One of my, it was on the Finders 2.0 thing is that I uh, I'm an activator or whatever. I just shoot first, and then I go, oh, that was terrible. <laughs>
0: I shouldn't have said any of that. Like, where I made fun of the fact that Michael Gormley proposed to his <laughs> wife Multiple times and she said no and he rubbed his face in it in the middle of the live show. So
1: felt so bad
0: reasons to kill
1: Luke number four hundred <laughs> and twelve. Just immediately went. What's the most painful thing I've ever seen him him experience? That's right, the time he was crying on David Hussle on
0: <laughs> Soon to be Father David. Uh, mm. Yep. Mm. Hey, here's something I haven't talked about in a long time. And while we're still in the, the John Boy and Billy B. S. part. <laughs> Um,
1: Wade, <laughs> Wade, we'll never let it go. <laughs> I, this poor guy. He sends one I, email off of one episode, and we're no. two months later. We're like, it's still. <laughs> I know. I'm.
0: Still, I'm still upset about it. His email was horrible. Oh anywho, yeah. <laughs> anywho, totally, totally horrible. But I haven't done this in a while. So Luke, I'm, I, I just want your permission. Although in a while, I did it, do it on the live show. One million eight hundred forty thousand one hundred eight. So that means, okay. We are one hundred and fifty nine thousand nine hundred ish, or eight hundred and ninety two uh, away downloads away from two million, I know. and we have the rest of February and to the second or last day in March for it to be one year since we've switched to this platform where we have that information. So that's just that's crazy. Thanks. Yeah, so we're obviously we're probably at two point five or three million, but since we started tracking it, we're almost at
1: two million downloads in one year. That's a lot. That's, did you ever think, I mean, I I know people get kind of annoyed when we do this too much, so um, let's just keep it short. But did you ever think it'd get to that? Like, honestly? I mean, no. I didn't either. I never thought the back catalog would be as popular <laughs> yeah, as it is. I didn't either. I did not think as we'd ever. be like a binge. I mean, my hope was that the episodes would be able to stand the test of time and still be good and be a thing that you could go to, but I just didn't think we were that good, so. We're not it's just yeah. that our audience is really dumb
2: <laughs>
0: uh, speaking about this we we need we need to go to the news segment of the show uh taking Luke and Gomer out to the woodshed out to the
1: woodshed <laughs> whenever we say something wrong,
0: it's not necessarily follow up as it is. We made horrible ethnic slurs, and we need to address this so one of our big donors oh, to no. the show, oh no. Sean, no, no, Sean from I
1: was just kidding. Oh no, Sean from morning. Ireland. Oh no, Luke
0: literally said nothing. It wasn't even about what you said. It was about what I said.
1: What did you do? Okay, good. It wasn't me. What did I say about ethnic slurs? <laughs>
0: I inserted a qualifier in front of the word Ireland, Ooh. And, he, and he informed me. He informed me. That's a big deal that a Catholic does not refer to it that way. They just refer to it as Ireland.
1: Ooh. And I said,
0: I did not realize that that was, and he put LOL. Uh, I'd love to talk about it with you sometime or something like actually, that. I,
1: was like, I would love to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, I
0: know. I know. So that makes we have two rock solid Irishmen listening to us. Sean and Connor. Connor donates as well. And Connor's actually living in the States, writing on the history of the migration of, of Irish people into America. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he sent me some of his papers. I haven't cracked them oh. open yet, but yeah. He's, I would love
1: to yeah, read them. I'll send them on to you. I was the history major.
0: Oh, I was a history major for like a week. My name's Luke.
1: I have a bachelor in it, thank you. Oh, I forgot. I forgot that's the one you finished. <laughs> it, was the, it was the English major when I was learning that for like a month. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> I remember I watched a, a couple movies about people who wrote, I was like, I want to be an English major. <laughs> I'm easily swayed by emotion. I want Sean Connery to tell me that I'm the man now, dog. <laughs> pretty much it was literally that that, <laughs> that like movie and a few others oh that is awesome it's like i'm good at basketball N- not not at all i'm an african-american male not at all i get i have like i have almost and matt damon stop by and tell me that i've inherited a whole bunch of money not at all hmm. i should be an english major
0: not at all <laughs> yeah I, I i was mindlessly doodling while you were talking and you know what i ended up doodling I wrote Wade mm. in angry capital letters with an exclamation poor point, man. This and poor I just man. looked out. I was like, "Why am I writing Wade?" <laughs> it was so weird.
1: Murder. Do you ever like murder? Do you ever, so okay, I have a legit blood, question. Blood for
0: murder. Okay, sorry.
1: So I don't mean this as an insult to Wade at all. So Wade, if you are like listening, and I we uh, uh, ap- uh, we I apologize, <laughs> it's is not about Wade.
0: You. If you are listening, stop. We don't want your kind around these parts. No,
1: that's that's not true at all, Wade. You are. You are like more than welcome. <laughs> poor guy. We're Wait, one not- horribly angry email. <laughs> yeah. He's not a poor guy. But it was so irrational. Yeah. And just like odd that I don't, I, I'm not trying to, say, okay, I, Luke, choose your words very yes. carefully. Here. Notice I'm
0: not provoking him, people. I'm not provoking him. <laughs> Except the fact that I did just bring up Wade for the third time.
1: That's <laughs> so, because do you remember where this episode's going to go? Oh, yeah. Um, in the church you sometimes okay so like there was an i was at a daily mass on monday are oh, you going back to mass now a, that's great yeah uh there was an. Old, <laughs> i go to mass every week i'm just trying to go more during the week um there was an there was an old man who was passing out one of those prayer cards like from jesus and i said like he just like was, was handing them out saying this is from jesus and mary just like handing them out and it was like Things where they were, like had a prayer on the back didn't make a whole lot of sense. Handwritten kind of a oh, thing. Oh, handwritten. And okay. It's like like, it's, it's, like it was got to be like I mean pushing ninety. It's got to be and four or five hundred years old. <laughs> they, well, no, there's just this like thing of like. Turns out it was he, it was Saint Charles Bermeo himself. <laughs> it was just kind of hard. I'm not saying that old people are not in their on the right mind at, at all, because like, there are tons of people who are, like mentally Sharp and are old. It's just that he seemed a little off. I could be wrong. He might I'm not be. And how do you respond to that? Or how do you respond to the awkward Catholic who comes into your, like, you know, like a lot of the people that tend to complain about our podcast, I, we just come from such a different place than them. Or a lot of the complaints I get about certain things, which is things with like in like ministry and stuff, the people who complain or have, or who tend to be, the loudest are often just not quite like mentally right. There's just a little thing off or there's something in their background. That's just, that's just like kind of off mm-hmm. and it tends to cost a lot of, and I think this is true. Just like any walk of life. Like you got the crazy, like the uh, crazy like friend who just does all these insane things, but like there's something like wrong about that. You know, like, like like they need help yeah. or something. This is not, you know, and um, I think back to when I was in, high school there's a guy who was on the football team was about two years older than us who just would be the biggest pain in the butt i mean just and the way that he acted was just so odd and now in hindsight they're like especially within just my background in ed and ed and education and and like i'm on the one that where i just think there's something off about that guy and the way that people treated him was horrible because they were trying to expect him to adhere to the same the same standards that everyone else was when i don't i think it was impossible for him to actually do that and i'm not saying that he would have been on the scale um now cuz that's that's kind of like a really go-to thing that i think a lot of people don't quite understand like what the actual uh, scale is or i don't know if it's even like used anymore um but how do you approach that when like you've got a when you've got a when you, when you have an individual who's clearly like something's off, They're not able to use all of like all their momentable capabilities in a way that, you know, um, everyone else can like, how do you work with that when it's, when it's just enough that, you know, Oh, like there's a thing that isn't right here. Yeah.
0: I had a guy at, at my church who at daily mass, he would show up, he would sit in the middle. And this is back when we were in our small chapel. I, I don't know who he is. So, I, I never did any follow-up. I was just warned that there was a gentleman. He's harmless, but things are going to happen. And he was, just like you're describing, someone in his upper 80s to 90s, very frail, but he could still get around, right? Um, if you were to talk to him one-on-one, you could have a conversation with him, right? It wasn't like my grandpa, my pop-pop, who, you know, dementia and all that stuff had set into where he couldn't string mm-hmm. together you know coherent sentences. But... This guy had printed out on his home printer in huge Times New Roman <laughs> uh, script that said, you know, all these, like, doctrines of the church that still are. It's To me, it's the type of. Okay, so let me just finish my sentence. Prints out all these doctrines, like purgatory is still a real thing. Peep- souls are lost in purgatory or are stuck in purgatory because no one's praying for him in the church today. And Vatican II church doesn't acknowledge purgatory enough and all this stuff. And he took tape and taped it to his clothing. And he would stand in the church in the middle of the pew with literally printed out paper, like duct tape to him. And then, but he never caused a scene, never did until it came to the prayers of the faithful. And the pastor at the time would say, uh, and what do you want to pray for? I always hate it when they do that in daily mass. I'm like, come on, this is always awkward. And <laughs> We have a precious half hour. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, move. Move. And he would say, he would just go. And he would just start off, the, the people remember the church suffering. And, you know, he had this axe to grind about purgatory and some, a couple other doctrines. I, I think maybe like abortion, anti-abortion stuff. But he would literally spend five minutes talking. And you're like, okay, okay. So, I mean, obviously, there's no reasoning with these people. If you're not their caregiver, I mean, their caregiver has buy-in to their life where they can be like, listen, it's not appropriate to to do this in this setting, you know? I mean, and, and uh, I will say the pastor at the time did talk to him on multiple occasions, but he, you know, to no mm-hmm. avail. So, uh, you, you know what you do? You, you take the card, you say thank you, and you move yeah. on with your life. I think so, yeah. Unless they're going to be a danger to themselves or to someone else. Yeah. In that context, now... The, the really the best thing would be is to start a conversation with them if you can and then find out more to make sure they are okay but that's hard that's hard
1: yeah yeah you know it, i'm always um i'm always when i hear about this stuff uh of reminded of a story that john roderick told he uh he's he's like an artist slash pod podcaster and he he's in this independent band that tends to attract a lot of people with high iqs but not strong they don't have a lot of strong um emotional skills or they don't have like they don't have the social skills that your average like person would would have and he's kind of learned that at one of his like meet and greets he's got to say okay like it was it was like awesome meet you i have to go and like talk to this like like he basically has has to say i'm going to end this i'm going to end this conversation right now because if he does if like he doesn't they're just gonna awkwardly just like stand there yeah and he's and he goes when when like when i do like say that stuff like they're fine they just kind of know, okay like now now i go and it's, it's something i've just seen the times there's like you know i just like um had an instance this past week where a where guy comes up to me and he just goes he's like it's luke and like he gives me like a really big hug and i'm like i barely know you
0: don't give away too many details luke because if they listen you just pointed them out made them feel bad
1: yeah, that's right. Anyways. So, did you see Black Panther yet? Yes, I did. Twice. Twice?
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't get to go a second time. Because my wife is selfish and told me I had to go to work instead of go to the movies.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I did see it. did see ruining it. everything, Shane. Yeah, I did see it. I saw it in the perfect setting. 2D, because 3 Ds for chumps. I, uh... Does anyone even do three, 3D anymore? Like, who really cares about that? Uh, movie theaters that put in expensive 3D equipment, and now, like, my local movie theater has, like, four 3D screens. And only one. And they upgraded one of their movie theaters to be, like, the XD, which has nothing to do with 3D. It's just, like, you know, the quality of it. and uh, Well, and it's a bigger screen. Yeah, yeah, and But I, I literally have to go, like, I, so there's really, like, one movie time where I can go to the movies. Because I will not go to a 3D movie. And it's like, oh great! There's like every half hour this movie's being. So- oh no, just I have to wait every three hours. Okay, got it. But I saw it at nine thirty in the morning one day. My wife is like, hey, go call Brian, tell him to drop his kids off over here, and you two go see the movie. She's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm running out the door right now. <laughs> We're like, you're the perfect wife. She really is. She really those hips. Whoa. So yeah, I. <laughs> so what do you think? What was okay? Spoiler alert. Spoiler, okay. Yeah. Th- this is not going to be the whole show. This is just going to be maybe the next ten minutes. But uh, so so say we all. Um, but <laughs> so you can skip ahead. I'll. I'll I'm, I'm not going to promise. I'm going to put chapters in here. But uh, yeah, you can skip ahead, and we'll we'll uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Luke. Now that we've properly warned people, thumbs up, thumbs
1: down. Oh, thumbs up. Way up. Uh no. Here's here's what I want to say. Okay. Very. I love, in terms of scope, what they were going for, in terms of the message that they had, um, the most, um, they really went for it. This film had a, they wanted, they had a thing, they um, had a vision, they had a voice, they had a statement they were going to make. And that was brilliant. Um, it was absolutely, I mean, by far, um, if that's how you judge your, is this how you judge your movies i and i think that really should be kind of the main overall thing like i applaud that it was very very good um i don't know if the execution was quite as good as everyone is uh trying i want to make it out to be there are parts where it's really slow and not dull but close just entertaining enough to kind of like get you through to the next part and uh So that kind of bothers me because I'm like, it's not like, to me, it's like a B, it's a B, a really good B plus movie, maybe A minus, but I don't think it's as good as people are making it out to be. I think Iron Man's a more cohesive film, but I loved it. I thought it was very, very good. Did your opinion change between one and two viewings? Um... It did not. There were a few things that I picked up more when I went and I watched it again. That, um, it's that uh, I that I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy it when I saw it again, but it was still the same thing. Okay, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. Okay, I, uh, I,
0: I, I give the movie a solid, solid A plus. There were really? there were parts of the movie that I thought fell a little flat. But honestly, I feel like all the parts of the movie that fell flat were superhero comic book parts. And you're like, mm. nah, come on. Like, yeah I think the only downfall of this movie, in my opinion, the only downfall, I think every actor and actress was believable. Yes. From yep. from obviously from the main characters, but also the supporting characters. I think uh totally. C- Claw was not what I was expecting. He was so, like, wacko, goofy, but he sold it, and I was like, okay, that's the direction I'm taking with it. He was totally convincing as the crazy psychopath, mm-hmm. man out for himself, I don't care if the world burns kind of thing. Okay, we'll do that. I... uh Besides Ulysses Klaue, the only other white person in the movie, I did not like at all. I did not see. I thought he was fine. I thought his voice yeah, was fine. All. His voice was weird after a while. But at first I was like, oh, he does a really good American accent. That's cool. And then about halfway through the movie, I'm like, why is this guy even in this movie? Like, why is he here? I, I, no, I, I think I think, I think he's the, I mean, come on. I mean, he didn't do anything. He's just there. Uh, oh, no,
1: oh, he shot down a, He shot down all of the planes, and he's also their main, like, he's their in with, well, not their main in, but because they also, they obviously have, like, Bucky, which that part was yeah, great. Yeah, but
0: he's going to um, be their, he's going to be their Colson, Agent Colson, right? He's going to be yeah, their yeah. liaison of he's the, the Wakandan Coulson. people to the world. No, I get that. I, but, I, under, I understand his character. I thought he, his character had the least amount of, any, any, like, anything worth giving a damn about. He was there. He did his thing. He's a former pilot, and he did some pilot things at the end. Great. There was no stakes in it. You didn't really care. He didn't evolve as a character that much. But, See, okay, I, let me.
1: I, I, I'm totally don't I'm going to agree. I'm allowed to have going. my opinion here. So. I'm not saying. No,
0: I know. He's so sensitive. So I think, though, the parts that sucked, in my opinion, were the over-reliance on all the high-action scenes on CGI. Like, out the wazoo. Like the the big fight scene at the end that you see in the in the between the two main bad guys that you see in Mm -hmm. the trailers, and the the car blowing up scene where he's on it and he does a flip and lands off on another car, I felt like those were those those took me out of the movie. Like I would I would have loved them. I mean, Michael B. Jordan he could do an they could do an awesome fight scene, but instead it was uh, two. You know, uh, green screen monsters. Like, I mean, it, that's it. It was just. Uh, so I was like, "Nah." Angela Bassett looked awesome. She looked like Storm. She
1: she was so good in that.
0: Yeah, she had such when a minor she role. screen, but
1: she's awesome. Yeah, but but she, but oh, she, yeah. like she nailed it though, because you have to like because more often than not in that this is I, I think you're really right that it was um like the all of the B characters were really good. Like they got some because she like I be, like every every type of. Um, every type of um, emotional uh, uh, beat that she tried, that she was, uh, that she was going for, she just um, nailed it. Like yeah. I believe that she thought her son was dead. Yeah, and I and it was so. I mean, it was really moving. Yeah, honestly. But because and, um, because it was a superhero movie, you knew uh, there. There, well, yeah. you know, but like there
0: comes a point where this is the eighteenth number one box office Marvel movie, right? The eighteenth one that has hit number one status as a Marvel release. So that's pretty epic for Marvel, right? But there mm-hmm. comes a point where when you do the same thing every time, like there there has to be some other way to do it. You know, like, oh, he's off the waterfall. I, Does anyone actually believe he's dead? Why didn't he just take the spear and stab him in the heart? You know, there comes like in a Bond movie. Like I heard some people mm-hmm. talking about it, it's like in a Bond movie, you know, when he's Laying down the platform and the, no, I expect you to die. And the laser beam is like, just put a bullet in his head, you know? But that's part of the campiness (laughs) of Bond, right? Yeah. But when you're looking at this, you're like, well, I know what's going to happen. It's not just that it follows a template. It's that, like, you have to acknowledge that at a certain point, it robs it of the emotional pitch that it's supposed to create because we've seen this so many times before. That we know literally mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I know everyone knows mm-hmm. the main character is not going to die, especially when Infinity Wars trailer is out with Black Panther running. You have it on our homepage on our Facebook thing. That's true, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's that's all that I know. It's just that trailer. I haven't, looked, right, I haven't right, seen the all, one. That was in about. of the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't yeah. watch any of those. Yes, I did, and that's awesome.
0: Um, but the yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Like. We already knew, uh, but I just wish they could do it in a different way. I understand why they did it the way they did it, but I I hate saying that about movies because I feel like I'm just like, I mean, I understand why, but I want to be like, oh, they did it. I did not see that coming. That was excellent the way that they made you think he was dead or, or, you know, have the camera follow him over the waterfall and hit the rocks below and get knocked out. And you know he's alive. Like, everyone knows he's alive. So show, the, show him alive and then show the gorilla people have picked him up.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Anyhow. I, um, I, I think what they're doing to try to change it up a bit, which I think is fine. Like, I mean, I will admit it. We, we we've, we've talked about this before. I think I'm done after the last of Avengers. So it's Avengers 4. Like, when th- when this kind of era ends, I think I'll be done because there's just not much I mean what else can I see that I haven't already watched uh but I think how they're trying to change it up is the tone of them they're allowed to be much more kind of own their tone more than anything else before so you, if you yeah. look at like Thor last one it's very I mean it's it's a it's a, com- it's a buddy comedy action comedy <laughs> yeah and it's great it's a really good buddy comedy if you look at if you look at Spider-Man it's a, it is a great high school movie like you I you believe those are high school kids and they they do and I think this is a really good, like this is borderline an art. This makes, I mean, this is like a, a political, I was way more intrigued by what this thing yep. had to say than any other um, Marvel film, anything else. The only one that really even comes close, I think is the civil war. And that's not even trying to really like that's, and that is, um, that isn't really trying to like say anything specific as much as it's just an experience of, because like you can be on two opposite sides of like what that film's about. And that's kind of the point. Um, So, anyways, I I just I thought it was very intriguing how they made it about like, like the Um, the African experience. Like, what does it mean to say your roots are from Africa, and what that and how, like the two totally different the two totally different experiences of that. One from being Killmonger here in the states, and him just. Well, and just all i mean just that's just that's all like a whole thing and then you have the people from you have like black panther and everyone from what from wakanda and they don't have like the baggage that killmonger has and just the like the hardship that, that you know he's really experienced yet they're from the same place they're all they're all from out you know and there's just that's like that was really i did not expect that at all that was fascinating and hard and um like his his line at the end was really powerful yeah i was not expecting
0: that at all and i I wasn't either you have this is the deal about killmonger he is you understand his motivations but he's an extremist right so he's his whole body is covered with burn marks or brandings that he did to himself for every person that he killed and he's got like um, you know, 200 of them or whatever. So, you know, the guy's the guy's a psychopath or a sociopath, right? Like, but at the same time, you understand. He was, his father was killed. He was abandoned. You know, like, all of these things happened. Victim of racism. All, even though he's super excels, you know, what was he, like, MIT and 16 years old and blah, blah, blah. Which is very similar to mm-hmm. Tony Stark. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. That Ooh, was yeah. in Iron Man. They said, like, he graduated, uh top of his class from MIT at 19 and I think they said he went to MIT when he was 16 so he could have been a Tony Stark but he was so driven to the madness of you know overthrowing the Wakandan you know empire and, and doing all this stuff but I my the scene that stood out to me the most and I don't know if you remember that I'm sure you remember this when they meet the CIA agent for the first time or, or where I think he meets her sister and she's his sister and she said she calls him colonizer Yeah, and I thought that was I. At first, I was like, "Okay, here we go," and then I thought, "Okay, let's put myself in the magical Wakandan universe." The Wakandans are totally cut off from the rest of Africa. That's kind of the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, and and they don't participate in the world or on all that stuff. But uh, so their only experience of white people, you know, according to this narrative, is when they come to Africa to colonize. You know, hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so that I thought I, at first I was like, okay, here we go. Time to dump on white people. And then I was like, oh, but no, that is how they would think of European descendant people. And I was like, okay, that, that actually is, is a lot more clever. I like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, no it, it, Yeah. Keep going. I was just going to say, so I like when they got to the end and they're trying to figure out, cause you are sympathetic to Michael B. Jordan, right? you, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, how do they end him? You know, and he's this prideful, arrogant man. You know, he's not going to give in easily. And so he, yet he lets him see all that the light touches. Uh, <laughs> this is our kingdom. And uh, <laughs> and he says, you know, like, no, I'm not I'm not going to be a slave in bondage here. Let me die like my ancestors who would. What, what was the line
1: about throwing uh, himself on the water? Who, like, who um, would rather, like, face death than a life of bondage. Yeah, so they threw themselves over the boats, and I was like, "Hold!" Yeah, which is a totally, yeah. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a straight up real thing. Yeah, there's a cliff. I forget. Oh, I forget what it's called. But like, you go to the bottom of that ocean, there are tons of of bones. Tons of it's it's horror. It's I mean it's, and that's the thing. Like, that's something that you know I like wrestle with. And I think that this film kind of challenges you on is just like what. Um, how do you, how, like, what's the proper attitude towards all of this? Yeah. I, I, I don't know, you know, cause there is this part of me that says, you know, is like, like, no, like you should live like being alive is good. Yeah. But then there's this also point of like, when you, when your whole humanity is stripped away, I don't know. It's, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that I don't agree with what he said. But I'm also like, I can't say that I agree with yeah. you. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's right. You know, like, it's it's, but it's also this. I'm not going I, I to, I don't know. As a movie
0: I, ending, that, when he said that line, I was like, now that's the way you kill a character. Like, that's literally what I said. I was like, that's the way he had to go out. Any other, yeah, no other he, way exactly. makes sense. What, is he going to be imprisoned? And then you get to fight yep. him in two years or five years, whenever this movie gets a sequel mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, that's it. Like, that was the way he has to die. He's the villain for the movie. Claw's already dead, which was awesome. The way that I, I was not expecting him to kill him and in that way and any of that stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, damn. Oh, damn. I loved I loved how they did that whole deal. But, mm-hmm. okay, so let's move on from here because we actually have a topic that we need to get to. But I want to read some stats that I think are shocking, okay? It's the 18th Go. number one Marvel movie, which is amazing. Marvel is just printing money now. It's the fifth biggest opening in U.S. history wow. for a movie. Wow. Uh, it is the largest opening for an African-American director since Fast and Furious. It is now this, when I read the statistic at first, I was like, this is a dumbass statistic. It is the largest February movie opening. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, the largest February. But then you realize, okay, well, they stack so many blockbusters, especially now with Marvel in the summertime and all this stuff. Or in the spring. But yeah, then you sure. realize what was the previous winner for February. And then I thought, oh, that's a cool stat. It was Deadpool. Deadpool was the largest opening. It was an huh. R-rated movie. And movies don't really happen in, in February. They're not. That's not a hot month. And, uh mm-hmm. And so it beat Deadpool, which previously was the largest um, opening Mm. for a rated... It still is the largest opening for a rated R movie. And then um, it's the second largest Marvel movie, in terms of raking in the dough, behind the original Avengers. That's cool. Yeah, and the original Avengers was an event. It was. It was a big deal. Because, you know, I mean, like, like all these different movies coming together for one. And and the buildup was epic. I remember that. I remember that, like, oh, yeah. And it got an, was really an A plus on Cinema Score, which is people who review people coming out of the movie theater. I think, and it got a ninety seven of Rotten Tomatoes ninety seven percent, which yeah. is when, once you get to ninety seven percent, they call that the near perfect or the perfect or the near perfect. So, I thought yeah, I, that I loved it. There was not there wasn't a scene. There was some parts that I thought went like um, where Michael B Jordan goes and you know talks to his dad ancestor moment.
1: I thought that was good. I thought it was really good. You know, no, like I that? thought it was really good oh, oh. and you
0: really get the emotion of it. But then there were other parts that I wouldn't say I didn't I never once felt like it dragged. I would say dull. It gets close. Though. I would say dull. You described it as dull earlier. That's before dragging. Dragging is when I want to get up yeah. and leave. Dull is like, okay, I mean, I know where we're going and we have to go through the motions, but I never I never felt either of those, but I can understand why you say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, my last uh, my last thing I want to ask you. I have one more <laughs> thing about this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Better or worse? Better or worse? Was Black Panther better or worse than Winter Soldier?
1: It was better. Winter Soldier. Robert Um, Redford, Winter Soldier. Oh, gosh. Um, Worse.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go negative. Uh, Better or worse than Civil War?
1: I'm going to go better. Okay.
0: Better or worse than the original Avengers? Worse. Okay, worse. Better or worse than Spider-Man Homecoming? Better. Luke, me and you are, Hmm. I think we're in 100% agreement. I think it did better. Well, when I was walking out of that movie, uh, Brian asked me how I thought, and I said, Hmm. I think this movie was as good at as good as if not better than Spider-Man: Homecoming, which I loved. I thought that was a great movie. Yeah, but well, Winter Soldier. I think if ranking all of them, I think Winter Soldier is my favorite
1: movie. See, the the problem is it's almost no. Well, not the not the problem is that this is what like makes all of the, the Marvel stuff so cool especially where they're trying to go with all this is that those are like i think all of those films that you just talked about are better cohesive movies like i don't get dull in any in any part of the winter of the winter soldier or in Civil war movie or in or in spider-man but what this film is about what what black panther is about has it's more interesting yeah, that's why in the long run, you know, yeah. it's, it's more challenging. To me it, and I like that in a movie. Yeah,
0: like absolutely. I think you know, I do I do kind of think, you know, sometimes when people are like this is an important film, I'm like I understand it's important to a point, but in the uh, to me I'm like, yeah, but it is still in the end a comic book movie. But I what it does and what it says, it is important. And to me Winter Soldier as a political thriller genre of comic book movie and this are the two closest in terms of these genres, right? And I think I think they both did an uh, an amazing job. And I do feel like political thriller and buddy comedy are kind of the two places where these movies need to be. These types of movies, like I, I don't know mm-hmm. if a film noir of the New Mutants is going to be awesome, or you know, like there's all sorts of experiments. But oh well, I, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah,
1: man, I there's so many different. Like I think this should be the Patreon episode. Uh, like, because there is a lot more that I um, have to say about this, but we've got to uh, we, we have to go to other stuff. So let's make let's make part two of our black of our Black Panther chat be the Patreon episode for Monday. Okay, would you want to do that?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, we okay. record on Saturday. I am going to be out of town all day Sunday.
1: Uh, I am going to be on retreat. Crap! Monday morning. We might Monday have, morning. <laughs> I can't. Uh, it, it would, oh gosh. Okay. Um. It has to be really early.
0: We'll figure something out. Okay. We'll cool. figure something out. So, Luke, what's our topic for today?
1: <laughs> now we're <that> it's fifty-six <laughs> minutes into today. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So we're, we were. We're going to do something kind of interesting. I, I. I'm. Um. I. I don't hesitate to talk about this, but I just do not want. I want to stick true to our discussion over instruction. So I'm going to do our best to not uh, to not to not like make this a big catechetical like word vomit. Um uh, we're going to talk about confession. 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 Okay. In the year 2000,
0: <laughs> Conan O'Brien. Nice. So uh, what, what you, you literally just said confession, then you stopped. Did you want me to jump in there? No, oh, yeah. It's just, I have no follow-up. Oh, ahead. man. I How often do you go to confession? Honestly,
1: no uh, fakies. Mm, once every three weeks. Okay.
0: So I go, like, probably once every three months. Mm. And I go once every three months. I used to be like you, young and naive. Just kidding. Um, I used to go a lot more often. Um, but being a part of a parish... In many yeah, ways, it it like you're diocesan, you go to a parish, I go to the parish that I work at, it is prohibitive to go to confession emotionally for me. Yeah, And so well, when we, I go to confession also, regularly, I go to neighboring
1: parishes 20 or more minutes away. See, and we're a little bit different because we are, are a more dense area, and our our catholic roots here go deep so when i do go i tend to go at um at like a retreat center pretty much yeah. that's the old like seminary and it's beautiful old church about 3 minutes from where i live and they just have a priest there at 3 in the afternoon uh, on tuesdays and on monday and i uh, just go there cuz it's just like whoever they want um and, and, you know and we have a lot of outside um orders here as well and it's typically and, and so it's like and or it's that or it's a retired priest so it's people that i don't know which is just where it gets weird so um why do you, do you, you want to go easier. do you go to priests that you know no absolutely not <laughs> uh, why is it weird why is, are
0: retired priests weird
1: no oh no no, no sorry um, no i just meant i just um sorry when i said like weird I, that was a poor poor choice of words i just meant i it's um i know that's not the norm like most people don't have the option to go to like a weird um a weird kind weird sorry like i gotta <laughs> stop using that that word they don't have the option to go to a, like a retreat place in a like beautiful old uh church in the middle of the, you know in the middle of the metropolitan area i we do like we we have you know our um the catholic roots go so deep that here in um Cincinnati area it's actually really easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as easy as I would like it to be. There's still some more work to be done. But you have to make an excuse to not go. Yeah. You know, because it's... So, um, did
0: you... For me, um, confession has always been, like, a regular part of my life. The first time I went where I did not hide the fact that I was looking at pornography, I was, like, 14 years old. And I was going, uh, it was on a Saturday, right before the 5 o'clock mass. And a priest was just there and he said, I know a lot of young men struggle with this. Um, have you ever looked at pornography? He's like, if not, yeah, that's fine. And I, and I was like, uh, <laughs> "Uh, yeah, yes, I have, ish, you know, like totally. Like, because I never confessed before and I knew I was deliberately mm-hmm. withholding it. And he's like, did you know that deliberately withholding it? this from confession is making a sacrilege of the confession. And he goes, so I'm just going to invite you that if you ever knowingly deliberately withheld this, uh, from another confession, you need to confess those sins as well. Cause you've, you've not been properly penitent. And I was like, Oh, I ended up going to confession to him for 45 minutes. I delayed mass, <laughs> delayed Saturday mass for 15 I minutes. I walk out of the confessional. Everyone's staring at me daggers shooting out of their eyes. And I floated to the stairs, and I did my penance on the front That's steps amazing. of the sanctuary in front of everyone. That's in front of the steps. Of course he would. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I'm going to be a breeze.
0: <laughs> well, that was the thing. <laughs> everyone thought that. And then I spent 45 minutes in confession.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it was To me, honestly,
0: that was a turning point in my entire life. You're like, mm. yeah.
1: No, I can remember that in high school because I always enjoyed it because I like to talk and I'm an external guy so I was like I just love to talk out loud. So um, being able to go to um, being able to go to confession was awesome but I can't remember in high school I didn't want to you know be really honest. I just wanted to kind of be like, oh, but this other stuff, we'll just kind of hide that. When I was able to really like get that out for the first time, it was incredible. And just, and the priest was just like, it was just, it was just so amazing. And then, uh, it, there's a thing to it when you're like, when you're really honest and you just kind of like, I don't know. It's just like, what can God do with that? I don't know. It's, it's, um, probably the hardest confession I ever had to go to was, um, so I had my conversion if you will when i got real into the gothic faith when i was 16 that's that's i mean there was stuff that when happened i was 16 I, was I had a very good beer i went to a very good con- conference i went to a very good conference with jim beckman as the mc bob <laughs> shrimp played the played the music on, no bob Shrimp was it bob shrimp luke no, luke is dead it's dead move on, <laughs> move <No>. on. <laughs> bob rice played the music on the side um, Father Dave gave a talk in the... Oh, okay, sorry. Anyways, I was really trying to go for something great. Yeah, I please feel. stop.
0: You just should have said, Jim Beckman gave a really good speech when I was 16. You just should have ended it. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. No, listen, I I don't kill the things that you go for that don't land. Yeah, because I kill them. <laughs> I admit It, it was bad. <laughs> and then you kept going. <laughs>
1: I was trying to find. I was trying to find a way to say it.
0: Okay, <laughs> edited,
1: edited. Okay.
0: So you 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 had <laughs> um, a conference confession at a Soonville Youth
1: conference. Yeah, that was good. But like the really big. I want so okay. So this is kind of hard to admit, but I I just need to get. I think this is really important. Um. So like a good Catholic boy in in high school, I wanted to, uh, be chaste. and for the most part, it was, it was good. And then when I was uh in my mid. 20s I made a you know really big mistake like uh had sex outside of marriage and it was just bad really really bad and I was in a bad it was it was just bad all all around a lot of bad things were going on and it was just uh I just got tired of fighting I I got tired of trying and you know I it's totally my fault like I gave in and it was you know I'm I'm not trying to blame anyone but like well like me and the hardest part was I knew I had to go to a confession about that and so I actually scheduled the appointment with the with the, the with the, the priest and I won't ever forget this and I went into his office and I was like I and it was just I said I really messed up He's like, okay and I'm like and like I almost said and he goes yeah that's 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 a big one <laughs> I was like yep and the things that he started to talk about afterwards and just the grace that came out of that was really profound. It, it, it really just like to be able to have, cause I think he could tell that I, I was trying and I like messed up and it hurt. And it, um, and this guy just didn't know me from, I mean, he didn't, I don't ever remember talking to him before that. And it was just really cool that I could, um, feel like just, you know, like when it's that big of a deal, like when it's a thing that you're just like, you know, for 10 years, I've been trying really hard to like not do what the rest of the world is telling me to do. And I messed up. Um, I don't know. Like it, it, it wasn't this profound thing is more, it's, you know, cause like when I knew like this on the topic was coming up, I, you know, I was like, which one do I talk about? If I talk about any of them at all, and I was like, really, that's the most important one because that's the one where I made the biggest mistake. Cause I knew what I was doing. You know that yeah. was not the fault of a stupid, you know, high school kid who's just trying to like deal with his emotions and his hormones and life. This was, you know, a twenty-five-year-old just trying to do the same thing and just, deal with his emotions and his life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as an adult, when you know, when you're supposed to have your life yeah. together, or at least, you know, and it was, um, yeah, that was like that was that was probably it. It was when I knew I needed to go the most, but it was also the most humbling. And uh, I don't know. That was that was key. That 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 was kind of a. Um, like, I mean, I, I had no other option but to like be honest, you know. But I think just doing that was, uh, yeah, it was good. It was really, really good.
0: Uh, there's something that I feel bad for people who aren't Catholic that they don't have an experience of confession. You know, when I was growing up, the line, you know, and I came from fundamentalist and evangelical areas in Oklahoma, they would say things like, well, you need to go to confession to a man, but I go right to God. And why do you, why do you do this and stuff? I never growing up, there was, there was elements of anxiety. I went pretty regularly as a child and, you know, kid or whatever, but there was no, there was always this accompanying feeling of, I am forgiven. Like I wasn't afraid of the sacrament, you know, that I think a lot of people are. It was it was always something to me that was freeing even when I even when I was screwing up with the sacrament and, and withholding pornography actually at the time when I started struggling with pornography in a in a more substantial way as AOL you know 2.0 came into my house um, I, I I stopped going to confession as often as I previously had but then when I began to try to fight pornography in my life and other things, confession was always incredibly freeing and I, rem- yeah. I remember like i never felt you know pope francis writes about don't turn the confessional into a, a torture chamber or a torture box um i i have never i've now i've had terrible priests in confession before but i've also had terrible haircuts and i still get my haircut you know like i'm not gonna yeah, let that, the, that's a really good good point. right there are priests who it's a bad day they're Personally, they're monsters and they have no social skills. Like there are a lot of things that are going on because they're human and they're broken and their righteousness is as filthy rags, just like yours. But mm-hmm. I I would say that once I realize it's not about the emotion, it's not about the amazing advice that the priest gives you or, or counsel or whatever. It is about you humbling yourself before God. You honestly admitting to his priests, what you have done that have fallen where you have fallen short of the glory of God and you honestly wanting to change your life. Like those three things, the sorrow, the actual confessing the sin, the desire to do penance and make up for your life. Like those things are so have always been a part of my confessional life that I never felt like confession. Even when I was looking at porn on a Monday, going to confession on a Tuesday night, And then looking at porn on a Thursday night again and then going back to confession before Sunday mass like even when I kind of treated it like a car wash it never it always was deeply meaningful for me because I always knew like I I don't want to be this way I do want to change my life I feel like Mm -hmm. I have no control over this and now looking back and I was like oh man there go to counseling go (laughs) to like there's so many other things I could have been doing. But at the time, you know, you're young and stupid, but you just feel so overwhelmed by it. Confession never felt like a guilt trip. It never felt forced. I never felt manipulated by the priest. Some priests were crummy in the confessional. I don't need a priest to be, uh, you know, the flawless advice giver. I, I just need him to know, like, I'm being honest here and I'm humiliating myself so that, you know, the bridegroom receives me into the kingdom anew, you know, like. I want that Mm -hmm. conversion even deeper. But the problem is I really, really suck at being a Christian in a lot of ways. And the longer I hide myself from that, the worse it gets. And I can tell you when I'm sinning the most, especially, you know, in my time with with pornography and other stuff and other things kind of accompanying that is when I run the most away from confession. And when I finally make the decision that's stupid, I need to go to confession it's like, it, it to me, it feels like an instant reset.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I think, like, this is kind of the, this is where it gets interesting, because I think a lot of people tend to want this thing where they go and they get great, they get great, like, the, the priest that is there blows them away, and it's this huge, like, oh, my gosh, my life has been changed right here and for right now, and that's great. But I think the real power in it isn't I mean like that's good but it's in doing a th- it's it's when you're able to concretely like why I think our, I I think why I wanted to talk about that story about when I, you know, um confessed to having premarital sex was that it was cuz I I think I mean right after it happened I felt terrible. I, I remember going to our buddy like Nick and just um, and I like I'm talking to him and I almost started to cry. And I, I was just so like, I can't believe this just like I just was so distraught. I remember going to adoration and I felt like nothing. I was just like I just knew that I I just made one of the biggest mistakes of my life. And and you know, and I didn't go to um a confession until about maybe like three days after the fact and just because I just didn't have a chance, I knew I I was gonna need to um like sorry, I I was gonna have to make a schedule in order. To, I was gonna have to make an an appointment in order to do it. And I think God already knew. I was saying like I knew that God knew how I'm sorry I was. Yeah. But there was there was a real power in con, in like, you know, having a concrete experience of my repentance and saying, I did this. I am so sorry that I did this. I want to change and and like having to hear the words from the priest, hearing the words of you know absolution, a concrete experience of being forgiven for what I had done, I mean well, I must say it out loud, have a person hear it, tell me his thoughts, and then say the words of absolution, and it was over like i mean i mean there there were still other things that needed to, it was not, like over with in the sense that I had like there were like deep wounds that are gonna have to be addressed, but like the whole like sin part, the whole split between me and God because what I had done had been absolved. And that was really powerful. Just kind of knowing that, like I concretely had to get that out and I needed to both like say the words and I needed to hear the words of absolution, not in my head, but the actual word. I need to hear a person speak those words. I both had to speak those words and I had to hear, you know, I had to hear words spoken to me. There's a really, there's, there's a power there in the concrete experience of grace. It's not just in our heads. One must appreciate the magnitude of the gift God has given
0: us in the sacraments of Christian initiation in order to grasp the degree to which sin is excluded for him who has put on Christ. I remember getting in an argument with you know a handful of like my Protestant friends, because they're like, Why do you go to a man? Jesus paid your debt. And to understand like I couldn't understand how they like I'm repenting of my sin. Like that's what I'm doing. I'm repenting. That, that's very biblical. But for them baptism was just an ordinance, right? It was just it, it's not a sacrament. It's not something that literally changes who you are in your identity with God. For them it was a, an external sign of something that you did by faith. It's like a public testimony and that's it. Mm-hmm. And When I read that line in the catechism, you got to appreciate the magnitude of the gift you have in your baptism in order to understand what sin really screwed up in your life. That's when I realized, like, oh, because of all the wonderful things the church says about baptism and the Eucharist and confirmation, what I just did in looking at pornography was throw all of that out the window. Like, I sold my birthright. For less than what Esau got from Jacob. Like, I remember reading that story in the book of Genesis. Like, it, give me your birthright and I'll give you this stew. <laughs> you know, when you're like, what the hell? <laughs> Who would do that? Like, I'm the firstborn son, but I'll give that up for some stew. But that I mean, that's literally the definition was of sin. Like a like, tomato soup
1: was chunky. <laughs> like, what kind of stew are we <laughs> dealing with here?
0: It's it's like the the AMDG soup we used to eat with our, our stew with our with our pita bread and kilts did that one time uh did it twice did it twice did it twice anywho but that's for me that was the big deal right like oh that that literally is what's it like here's eternity for you one for you by the death of god himself oh you're gonna you're gonna eat the apple and it's like yeah i'm gonna eat this porn-shaped apple so anywho i mean i I don't want to get all teachy part but really when you see what what christ did for you which is half of what is 99 percent of what i do as the lay evangelist right it's what i do for a living is trying to teach people what christ did for them so that they can receive that gift of what christ
1: did and then it's like but then you look at sin and you're
0: like look at all this wonderful stuff i have and i'm throwing it all away for a
1: nickel i totally agree and i think that's why there needs to be something that it- because there's not, I mean, like, there is, there is a thing to be said about how God uses our, our, our like, only mental prayer. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay that. But there is this aspect of, like, if you, do you, like, really mean it? Okay, well, actions speak a lot louder than words. Do you really want to turn your life around? Because you absolutely can. Do you really want to repair this broken um, relationship between God and you? Because, you you know, you absolutely can. But you it takes action. And um, I think you're like you know if you want to turn the car around you've got to turn the car around yeah. you can't just say can't oh just... i
0: wish it were turned around
1: yeah i really i really don't want to i hope that it is i'm gonna trust that this car has been turned Like, you've got to turn the flipping car around
0: yeah I, um, I i think that a lot of times people don't understand why i mean there are i, I mean there are priests who go way too far in the confessional and, and hurt people right like that is a thing. I've never experienced that. What I usually I get either. is the exact opposite. I get the guy that tells me, Oh, that's not really a sin. Oh, that's fine, you know, whatever. Of course, priests don't really pull stuff like that on me twice, like kind of thing, like, oh, I think you're being too hard on yourself. I'm like, Father, this is clearly a sin. I'm not being too hard on myself. This is sober judgment. Oh okay. But I've had people I've had people come to me who have been devastated by horrible actions of priests in the in the confessional, and my whole answer to them is like, uh, you know, I'm sorry, that was wrong, but at the same time, you know, you, let's just go somewhere else and go to confession. Like, there's there's more that's here. You know, there, don't don't just hang it on this mortal coil, this man here. Let's go do something else or go somewhere else. And so, um, yeah. yeah, we've had we've had some friends that have had pretty bad experiences. Uh, you know, wife reduced to tears because the priest was just yelling at her and then the husband comes in and then the husband realizes that the kneeler is soaking wet because it was from his wife's tears and not of penance, but of fear of the priest like, bah. but I have, I like, I have never personally, speak, and I've been to confession hundreds of times in my life. And there was a time when I used to go regularly every single week, but, um, uh, the, the whole experience of is so like for people who don't go to confession, I'm like, just, just imagine walking up to the holiest guy, you know, and telling them the worst thing about your life and then leaving and being like, I feel really great that I did that. <laughs> like it's not normal. It's just really good.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and I think one of the things too, that I really enjoy about uh, confession is that it's like, it's extremely Catholic. And what, I, and what I, I mean by that is, like, doesn't matter what priest you go to, doesn't matter how good or bad the priest was, it's just as valid as the one where it was great, right? Right. You know, so I think there is a little bit of a healthy detachment that you have to. I mean, because I'm, I'm not trying to say it's so. It's not that like all priests are bad. I mean, that's um, like they're all for the most part awesome. Yeah. It's just that sometimes they are human beings, well, and there's this element of like, but this yeah. happened. It's like, yeah, like you know. It was like rain today. That that sucked, but it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I brought it up is, I kept, as
0: I was talking, I was like, it sounds like I'm beating up on priests. The reason why I bring it up is because there's so much anxiety around going to confession for people. I mean, when I was in high school, I shoved my mom into the confessional because she took one step in, then pulled her foot back and goes, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And I was like, oh, you're going. And I pushed her. Um, but her boss was also her pastor as well. Uh, but the reason why I brought that up is there's so much anxiety around it. And there are stories that float right they float in the catholic ether you have someone's Mm -hmm. been hasn't been a confession in 10 years and they're like oh well i heard a story that a priest you know tore someone to shreds or said you did what and everyone you know felt so ashamed that is not the normal thing but just in case that actually happens to you or has happened to you realize that that priest has to go to confession right like that's that's one of the most amazing things that protestants learn when they become catholic they're like so, the priest is able to forgive your sins because they're like really holy. And I'm like, no, it's because they're the office. Priests go to confession too. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yes. And bishops and, and the Pope, he goes to confession
1: too, you know? And did you ever hear that story of the Pope going to Pope John Paul? Um, yeah. And I want to believe it, but it's I've heard it so many times from all these different people that when I start to hear it, like, too much. I'm like,
0: mm. Well, when I heard it, Scott Hahn said it was his friend who was the priest that went. Of course it was.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know it's good. Luke, you have just broken my heart. <laughs> I share that story all the time. No. I, I if no, I'm I'm just kidding. If if Scott Han, uh if he said it, I believe him to be a man of uh high integrity, so. So, yeah, Scott Hahn, if you're listening,
0: which we all know you are. You have the Luke I bet Car- Mike is. You have the Luke Carey seal of approval.
1: You are a man of integrity. I'd be <laughs> I'd be crushed to tears if um his son like Mike like heard our podcast and was like, oh, no, thank you." He's <laughs> like the one Hahn that I would really want is if if like I was if I ever, if I ever I'm going you, Mike. I am so sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I can just hear Mike Hahn right now guy. sitting in his his office surrounded by books being like if I ever disappointed you, I'm sorry. Luke, you
1: are the living embodiment
0: of disappointment
1: <laughs> or something I like know. that. One time he, he told me when we were, uh, I can't remember what, what we were doing, but man, we, I forgot how much we used to hang out in school. He was like, Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're the biggest go getter in the world or anything. And I was like, What? I. Sh- Crap, Mike Han's right. <laughs> I am not the biggest <laughs> go-getter.
0: I got to rethink some things. <laughs> Have your dad tell me that cool Pope confession story again.
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so confession. Uh, listen, this is what happens when, like, people give us a, a specific topic and they want to hear our thoughts. It becomes us trying to, like, not just, like, talk at each other but like have an actual conversation and we get really really um awkward and go straight into like what makes us happy college yeah
0: quickly distract (laughs) ourselves from reading the catechism (laughs) of the catholic church
1: (laughs) quickly this really great and important like news thing wants us to talk about a thing let's just instead talk about our friend mike
0: i was thinking today i was thinking today i was um i bought a new car
1: so, so. Are we done with the uh, whole um, the confession thing, or are we moving on? I, I,
0: I, I really don't know,
1: Luke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I really don't know. I really feel like we should talk for another 30 minutes on confession. I think so.
1: We tried so hard. Did. It was just like, I felt so weird because I was like, this is a forced. It's funny, too, because, like, I was really excited about it. And when we started, I was like, this is just weird. Wait, what
0: is, what was the, you sent me one text and I just said, okay, sounds great. What what was the deal?
1: They just asked me to talk about, uh, they being the Catholic Telegraph, they wanted to post a podcast episode of ours that had us talking about confession. And my thought was, oh, do we have one? And I went through, I was like, I don't think we have one where we just really talk about that. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, like, because we get like pretty specific when there are things we want, like, we just don't take a broad thing. And then break it down. We we tend to take a really small, specific thing that's on our that's on our hearts, and then go big. <laughs> we with tend it. it's to, kind of the, the inverse. We
0: tend to make mountains out of molehills. I believe that's what that <laughs> that's <said>. exactly what
1: <laughs> right. That's not how I viewed it. I was viewing because I think it's more about uh, seeing how <laughs> things fit to the bigger picture. But you are are very right. We do make we mountains take, out of we take hills. very small things we think very small, insignificant things and act like it's the end of the world. And then completely forget about it two weeks later. So let's talk about Black Panther. Dang it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so when someone comes at us a year later asking us about, like, this one episode, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's happened multiple times where people have been like, this thing is, can you just, like, I don't know if I agree, but I'm like, what? I don't know what you're referring
0: to. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, we, we didn't know what we were talking about while we were talking about it. A year later, it ain't going to help. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so, you do you? Man, I see. I don't even know when we talk about discussion over instruction. The hardest thing is to not go in straight into like teaching mode when we have a topic like mm-hmm. this, like talk about confession. So, I like, I want to thank you for talking about you losing your virginity in your 20s. After spending, you know, 10 plus years as a Christian, you know, a convinced high school Christian, college age Christian, all that stuff. That, I mean, that was pretty, pretty gutsy of you. But for me, like, the hardest part of confession is what you do after. And I have felt as a a man who has struggled with habitual sin, right, that the hardest part for me was not feeling like a piece of crap when I gave into that sin and wanting Mm -hmm. to go to confession. Like it's totally true. I felt free every time I went to confession, but there still is that voice in the back of my head that says, you know, you're just kidding yourself. You're going to go right back to this, but I didn't want it. I didn't want to, if I could have walked out of that confessional and never looked at pornography again, high five. Well done. But Like, I still have this stronghold of sin in my life. And one of the things that my struggle is, is dealing with the baggage of of not having to go to confession, but going to confession and then coming out and then falling into the same sin again. That's the part that Mm. sucks. That's the part that makes me
1: feel like crap. Why in just, like, one line? Why even go in the first place? Because I knew what I did
0: was wrong. And I didn't Mm want to live that life. And I I wouldn't have said it at the time, but there's an element of powerlessness. I mean, I remember one time there was a guy who was a, he he told us that he was a sex addict. I didn't know what that meant. I thought it was like a joke for people who love having sex. And he was explaining to me, the pit of despair that he enters into because of his sex addiction. And what he said to me was, Michael, there are some times when I walk out of the confessional that I wish a car would hit me and I would die so that I knew at least now I'm dying in the state of grace. And he's just like sobbing as he's telling me this. And he's like, if I could die after confession, I would be a happy man but I'm afraid mm. of living two or three more days and going right back to the reason why I was in the confessional. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I realized that I had prayed the same prayer from that same pit of despair from, from being yeah. so lost in five, six, seven, you know, for those who don't know, I saw pornography accidentally when I was six years old and it was triple X, hardcore porn, My older brother's, older friend's dad hid it in his closet. He found it. We watched it when no one was home. And it just took hold of my life. And and thank God confession was there in my life because uh, I actually had a counselor say to me, I don't know why you're not more depraved than what you are because you've seen it for so long. It's been such a part. And I was like, well, because I go to confession and, you know, i talked about it with church and, you know, I'm, I'm not hiding it anymore and stuff. But I realized, like, when I was, like, 14, 15, I'd be like, God, I can't. Or, no, no, I was older than that. 17 or 18, I was like, God, I, I need you to take my life because I can't be free from this sin. Like, that is that is a prayer from just being so lost in despair. Mm-hmm. I, did you ever feel anything like that? I mean, I know that you didn't. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, no,
1: no, no, no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think what, like, I can remember going. So, the greatest thing a priest has ever told me. And this is that like honest to God, true story. So I went through all this stuff as I was kind of going through the dark ages as I used to call them. So if you've heard our podcast, you, you all know what I'm like talking about. And I just like, was basically like, yeah, here's all the stuff I'm doing. I know it's terrible. And I, I'm, I wish I could stop. And the priest just goes, keep struggling. And then just gave me absolution. And that was it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, there's this element, I think with, confession it is so okay so like what does it do repairs our um, our relationship with god puts us in a state of grace that we're like close we're in like we can be close to him in a way that when we commit these horrible things that tears us um away from god but there's this catholic thing where i think we think that all we need to do is go and i I don't think that's what you are doing i'm I'm just saying our um or, or or even like what you did but it's our culture as a whole that if I go to um, a confession, that's it, and it, and it's it's me. I mean, to repair that um, our relationship with God is huge. It I cannot emphasize how important that is. But there's this other side too, where like we, it's about like why do we go? We go because we want to be close to God. We go because we want to convert our hearts, and conversion takes work. And there's this whole element where we really can take like if we are. And if we are an addict, addicts tend to, tend to like, have, like, a cycle that they go through. Uh, I don't know if, that, if that's the right word, but there's a the well, thing the, where... The ritual, ritual. The ritual. Yeah. And, like, you can actually have... You can have going to... You can have going to confession as part of, of the ritual. It tends yeah. to be, like, one of the last things that you do, and then you end up back in square one, and you go back, you know. And so, somehow, you've got to... Um, you have to disrupt that. But part of it is you got to go, I'm an addict or I have a problem that, you know, I can keep going to this and this is going to be good because it's important because there is a broken um, relationship and that's just like, that is that is like, that is a reality. There's this bigger part where we just can't rely on that to solve all of our problems. That's not the point of um, of the sacrament. It's not a problem uh, solver. It's a relationship healer. Mm. really this is what it does it it like fixes a relationship but if i get into an argument with aaron that is my wife and i lose my temper which you know like tends to happen because i'm a dude and i'm an idiot um and i say hey honey i'm like i'm like horribly sorry about that like she's always great about it "No, it's you know like it happens i forgive you I, i love you but if i don't try to fix that i'm not trying to control my anger i'm not trying like i'm not trying to grow like i'm a shitty husband And I think there's this element to it where we rely too much on it and we just think that's all I've got to do. Where if, you know, if um, you're dealing with habitual sin, and it's, you know, and when, like, we were kids, especially when it related to, like, serious heavy things, our parents didn't want to hear about it. Most, well, my parents were good about that. But, like, most people's parents did, did, like, not. Most kids weren't able to talk about it honestly yet. It was just coming out, and so we're kind of this age group of people that's had some really heavy, terrible things heaved on us as young kids we didn't have anywhere to go with it. Yeah, and there is this element now that if you go, I think you have like you really have to take the part like afterwards, just as it's like the first step in a big like healing plan. I think like what am I, what am I, what steps am I going to take to allow God to work? I've already healed this relationship now, so then what? Yeah.
0: There's a really great conversation that I had with a guy who came into the church last year and he was talking about, you know, he's trying to learn all this stuff and he was at the parish mission and he said this line to me where he said, you know, the thing that I'm struggling with is not the sin because I've gone to confession. I know I'm forgiven for the sin. It's the regret that I have to deal with. It's the regret. So we talked about it a little bit. He's like, you know, being young and stupid and I can't believe I did such things. You know, like, what was I thinking? And, and all the things you say when you live in regret. And I said, and he said, but, you know, like, I went to confession. I know I'm forgiven. Maybe I just haven't forgiven myself and all this stuff. I said, the reality is you've been forgiven, but you haven't been healed. Like, the wound, you know, the 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 knife has been removed, but the wound needs to be addressed. And that's, like, what it means to walk in your conversion. And he goes, wow, that is a really is like a really great way to put it because that's what it is it's like I know I've received that forgiveness and I need to let that forgiveness heal me of all this stuff now I, I do struggle when people say I haven't forgiven myself I don't I don't necessarily believe that's what people mean exactly because if God has forgiven you and you believe that then saying I forgive myself is is not as is not meaningful I know that sounds harsh but like it, it almost like we're saying i have a higher standard for myself than god does for me and that's why i mean like if you believe in god and what jesus christ did for you then you can't really say that you have to say like uh, you know like i mean not you can't say those words but meaning what does it mean to forgive yourself like you're the one that committed the yeah. you know it's it's dealing with resentment well, regret and bitter
1: yeah yeah, that's that's really what's what's going on is there's there are other issues that I'm not dealing with that is starting um to manifest itself yeah. as in, like, that's how you express and, it. I think the resentment part is key. Yeah, and, and I think that is how
0: Satan ruins people's lives, right? So, like, personally, you don't like going to confession because you don't want to go to a priest and tell him, like, hey, here's, you know, I, I, I slept with a woman. I did this or whatever. And there's a profound amount of humility that it takes before you even enter the confession. When you've made the decision to get in your car and go to confession. There's this element of humility and self-accusation and all that stuff. But even that, we can play games with it or or the devil can play games with us where we leave and we either A, treat it like a car wash or B, still refuse to address what's causing the sin. It's almost like the sin Mm -hmm. is the fruit, but there are other things going on in your life that are far deeper that need forgiveness. Like I remember reading – St. Francis de Sales, Introduction to Devout Life, and he talked about, you know, if you have repeated sins, venial and mortal sins or whatever, and he said, and you're going and you're confessing these sins, the next thing you need to do in your examination of conscience is say, why these sins? Like, I used to confess lying all the time. I'm a liar. And I would say, you know, I, I you know told all these white lies to my mom and my dad or whatever, like nothing malicious, none of the blah, blah, blah. But then when I read that, I was like, yeah, why do I do that? And then he says, confess the answer to that question. You know, so confessing attitude, confessing like mm. character traits, like mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I got in a fight with my wife. You know, I've been, I've been impatient with my wife. Well, why were you impatient? Well, I, you know, I keep getting in fights with her. Well, why'd you get in fight? Well, she brought up, I didn't do the dishes again. Why didn't you do the dishes? I didn't do the dishes because I'm freaking lazy and I just would rather watch TV than get up and do the dishes. I hate doing the dishes. I don't want to do Mm -hmm. the dishes because doing the dishes is not fun. Watching TV is, and I'd rather do that. You know, And when you start doing that, you're like, oh, damn, (laughs) I I have a problem here that I need to address. And that, I think, is where the the sacrament of confession with its requirement for self-accusation and humility leads us to the actual path of healing. Because you're like, yeah, this is the real problem. The real problem is I'm lazy. Well, then you can ask, you know, why am I lazy? You can't go back to... You know, the, the question ends somewhere, but I think a lot of us are dealing with, like, family issues, with coping mechanisms and all this stuff, and all we do is address the sin part.
1: Yeah, the if we speak to the effects, but not the
0: cause. Yeah, and you understand why. I mean, they're the most apparent. They're the most explicit in terms of and defined thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that that doesn't bring wholeness and to me like healing the whole person which is a great sem- is a great seminar conference program thing done by the JP2 healing center in i think Tallahassee bob shoots like yeah, we we had him yeah. out at our parish they did a couples one and an individual one the individual is called healing the whole person we had a joey jojo shabadoo episode where he talked about it i mean it really is powerful because people really do need healing Bob Schutz has a book on that. That's phenomenal. People really. It's called uh, a right? yeah, be healed. Yeah. Be healed. I've got it. It's very good. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing that I want to address that I don't think that we ever talk about really well is what does it mean to repent? And part of it for me is the realization that if I'm not sorry, like when Protestant friends, right. Would always say to me, I just repent to God. You have to go to a man. And Catholics, I think in a way kind of agree with that. Like, I go to a man, I tell him my sins, he gives me forgiveness, I go and do penance, and then I'm done. And they leave God out of the equation, even though they're coming to the priest? Did you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like this is a church institution thing, not like a God thing?
1: Uh, um, not really, because the bulk of the people that I've been around, we've all been Catholic by choice. Oh, yeah. There's just been a, a decision, but I, but I, but at the same time, I have, that makes total sense. Like I can see that happening very easily where there's just, it's like, this is just what I do. I'm like, I'm Catholic, do, but I, yeah,
0: this is just, I, 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 yeah. I sinned, I go to confession and it might be more like a human level of dealing with guilt than it is. Like I'm coming before the, the cross itself to, to repent and change my life. But I, I don't think Catholics are taught how to repent. And I've said this before. Catholics are taught how to make a good confession, but they're not really taught how to repent. How to how to like how to take half an hour to an hour and do an examination of conscience, like not just do it while you're standing yeah. in line. You know, for me, that's how I did the majority of my confessions because of my exams because I was confessing one sin, which or two sins, pornography and its various accompanying vices. <clears throat> but you know, you would have these things. It's like I need, I, I have the bigs. I got to get rid of the bigs. I got to get rid of these big sins. And it's like oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, didn't say my prayers. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. It, throw that. In, you kind of pepper that in there. Do you ever do that where you like start off with some small sins, warm up the priest, <laughs> and then then you <laughs> then you drop the one you're really self conscious about.
1: There's a Simpsons thing that I, I would love to quote, but I'm not. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I you know I really I think there's there's this aspect of too like so there's the spiritual part, but then there's like the like if we're not trying like so like what does it really mean to convert is what what we're asking if we want to like you know again like heal that our relationship with god we want to stay close to god we want to really like know him that means we have to convert our hearts right and like part of that means you have to change your behavior yeah and that's part and that takes them like and this is and all of this cannot happen outside of the context of community yeah like it's literally impossible. So if your guys group, if you're not oh, talking about the things that are, like really important, and, and I'm not saying that you have to like ha- talk about these things, hash them out, share your share your story, just acknowledge that this is a big deal and it sucks. It was the most freeing thing ever. Was when I was hanging out with like all my buddies and people finally just kind of said like the stuff that like they're like dealing with and I was, and it, it was so just like a thing. It was I mean we almost like joked around about it. Cause it just like made everyone just like feel better. But I was like, I'm not alone. Yeah. Oh wow. I can like, people can actually talk about this and it's not a, it doesn't have to be this whole like pouring your heart. So they could just be like, yeah, this sucks. Right. We all agree. Right. We're all clear. This is the worst thing ever. Okay, good. You know, and then just like move <laughs> on with whatever you're doing. Like yeah. It, it, sometimes I think I go, I go back to like, what is that? What is when that priest told me to just keep struggling? That's all he said. I mean, he, he just heard it. And he said that and then gave me absolution. It was, a, it was incredible. I think that's what he's getting at. Is like when we try to repent, when we try to convert, there's, it should be difficult. Like when God heals us, it's often kind of, I mean, there are times when it's just like instantaneous and it's awesome. But then I go back to the story of when he cast out the demon of that guy, put it in a pig and like 2000 pigs, like fell over the edge, like a cliff. Could you imagine how loud and like gross and like violent that was. Like sometimes it's really messy and it's hard. We've got to be going somewhere. Like, what are we, like, what are you trying to do here? It's not just like, now, now I'm like right with God. I'll be back until I, you know, whatever happens. Yeah.
0: I got to go, Father. I got some sinning to do.
1: <laughs> cause, yeah, cause then your um, confession's worthless. Yeah. So, like, there's no point in going if you're not trying to change your life. Yeah.
0: So, this is, this is the, the thing that I love teaching from. And I honestly, I don't think I ever read this in my life until I was asked to give a 10 minute reflection to the parish staff on, on a Lenten theme and I wanted to do it about repentance. And I've been reading all these like Protestant sources on it and all this stuff. And I really liked what I was reading, but I wanted to just like, you know, just get some awesome catechism stuff. And there is a part on the catechism. If you go under the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, article four, it's called interior penance. I just read it and threw in a couple little side comments. It's uh, like four paragraphs long, not that big a deal. And people literally were, were choking up and, and crying, you know, it, it I think it's so beautiful, but there is this line going right with what you said where it says interior penance is a radical reorientation of our whole life. And when you see that, when you hear those words, radical reorientation, what does that mean? Like radical of the root reorientation. So you're oriented one way and you need to turn again and be reoriented in another direction. And I realized like, okay. If I am changing my the orientation of my whole life, I can't keep doing the same. If I really say I love God and I hate this sin, I don't want this sin in my life, I can't keep doing the same things. I have to be able to tear the thing out by the root, and that's the really hard part. And the other thing that I struggle with is you have to learn to, be, um, to have repugnance at your sin. And there is totally a part of me <laughs> that's like, my, like my sin is kind of like my pet. Now I love it. Kiss it. Now go with it. Kill <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. So there is that part, though, where I, for a long time I've been like, I mean, I know it's bad, but like, but, you know, like I remember talking with Matt Fradd and he said one time, you know, why, why do you think people look at pornography and masturbate? And I was like, well, you know, like family systems and coping mechanisms. And he goes, yeah, but also it's pleasurable. I was like, well, there's that. <laughs> you know, He's like, we can't discount <laughs> that. And like, It's pleasurable. That's why we go to it, right? But the idea is you have to drum up within your heart like, wow, this is warping my image of human sexuality. This is distorting my view of women and their role in sexual relationships. This is destroying my marriage. This is getting me to view sex as something I'm owed and not a mutual gift of self. You know, this is, you know, you do all the things. Like, it is important for you to sit down with mm-hmm. your brain and tell your soul what it needs to hear. Dear heart, this is gross and this is why. You see how it's messing you up and but that's self love, Gomer. Yeah. <laughs> but that self talk is the right kind of self talk. Not the wrong self talk is you're yeah, going to go back totally. into it. You you know why bother doing this? That's from the devil. Those are lies from your own psyche like you need to fight those. But more than anything else, you need to be repulsed by the sin. And so that's where I think reason can be our greatest ally is like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at this sin. And this sin is awful. And I need to just really just see how awful this is. And that'll help in my desire to, you know, change my life. I I know an individual who is a uh, an addict to crack cocaine. And when I was talking with this person, he said, I have to drive. It takes me ten more minutes to get home because I have to drive a different route. I said, "Why are you doing that?" So I don't drive by the exit. I don't even see it because if I see it, I'll want to drive down that exit and go and get more drugs. But if I just don't even go there, I won't be tempted to do it. That's the kind
1: of thing. That's a radical reorientation. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. No. I, so I, I was trying. That's amazing. Yeah. And I. Um. This is why. I, like. Grace builds upon on uh, grace builds upon like nature, right? So like the things that we do, the habits that we have, the behaviors that we have, like who we like, the stuff that we do, God like he like works in that. Mm-hmm. And but he doesn't control us because we aren't robots. And this took me like honestly, thirty three years, thirty-four years to really understand how big of a deal, how like much of a how uh, much of a like robot I am not.
2: Mm.
1: You know, and I can either like and So it really hit me that like, if I want to convert my life, I've got to change my habits and grow as a person. Like I have a lot, I have a whole bunch of like freedom here, but the first step is confession, but it's a first step or it's like a, or it's a second or like a third. I don't know, but like, it's, it's a step, but it's not the main step. And if you just have it be that, and then you just like walk away, I'm not saying that it's a waste of time because I don't ever think God's grace is a waste of time ever at 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 all but you're going to rob yourself of what it could be yeah. you're you're like basically going to get like a big mac when you could have it in and out or else you know like mm. you can have a you can have a lot more it's gonna take it's gonna take some work and it's gonna take a time that's that and i think that's i mean would you would you, would you agree with this like sometimes i think we want that instantaneous fix. Sometimes it can take years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've been looking at pornography for 16 years, going to confession once is not going to end it for most people. But I, you know, this priest last night was given this um, uh, mission about why we, why so often when we go to confession, we don't have any change of life. And he said, when you commit the same sin over and over again, it becomes a stronghold. It's like a fortress in your heart. And you need to be delivered and rescued from that stronghold within your own soul. And he said, you that's why we have deliverance prayer and all this other stuff, but you it's not just a one and done confession. I'm I'm out of here because you're not addressing it's not just that you're not addressing the root, it's you're not addressing the entire tree except for the fruit. And so much of our so much of our lives is spent to make ourselves the the opinion that we have ourselves maintain like we don't want to lose that opinion that's why i love confession because it's like this constant assault on my own like ego like i really am awesome oh but i did all these sins right Mm -hmm. like it really is and the the church teaches like if you do all the externals but you don't have interior penance all the externals is sterile and false and i know a lot of people think like when you look at the catholic church there's a lot of ritual and memorized prayer. <clears throat> There's a lot of, like, symbols and gestures and all that stuff that you can kind of do half-heartedly. But the church is very clear. Like, you don't get the grace of repentance, of confession, if you aren't repentant. Like, you can't just walk around and be like, oh, yeah, totally, don't give a crap about any of that stuff. But you're wearing sackcloth and ash and fasting, right? Like, mm-hmm. you you actually have to have an interior, an interior repentance. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, th- I think that um, this during the during the Lenten season, it's the perfect time to start. What? It's the whole point of Lent. Yeah, like this is the whole point. This is literally the the point. Yeah, <laughs> Lent is great
0: because it forces me to be like, really, where am I with God? Like, what happened the last Lent?
1: Like, where have I been since yeah. then? There's a really interesting. Po- I, I I don't want to dive too much into this because we don't have the the canon law of right on hand. My wife has that in the in the other room, which is true. Uh there's a part in the, the canon law that I was going over about Lent and it really hit me. And it was like something about doing the things we're doing but better. Like something I I I, so I, I could be wrong. This may have been the wrong thing. So please, uh JD, don't hate me if this is wrong. Are for you, anyone well, who knows give me canon more law. context. What are you talking about? I'm trying to it basically said like, like what, what are we supposed to do during during like Lent? It was in the canon law that someone posted on Twitter or on something and one and there was just like one line that really hit me and it was like something about the things that we do like doing them with more intention or something along those lines like I could be butchering it so I did that's why I was kind of hesitant to even go down this road but it's kind of a long lines of like we need to um the stuff that we're doing really understand like why we are doing it and approach you with a little bit with a little bit more like a vigor or umph and like, especially as it applies to our own uh, conversion, like really focus on this. Like what's going on here? What do I, what are the better things that I can do? And like, you know, if that means that I'm going to take time away from, uh, the Olympics, because this means it's either prayer or the, or the Olympics, I'm going to choose prayer. Mm. So this is cool.
0: This is cool. The divine law binds all the Christian faithful to do penance each in his or her own way. That's my canon law voice. In order, in order for all to be united among themselves by some common observance of penance, however, penitential days are prescribed on which the Christian faithful devote themselves in a special way to prayer, perform works of piety and charity, and deny themselves by fulfilling their own obligations more faithfully and, by, and especially by observing fasts and abstinence, According to the norm of the following canons. There we go. Next, next canon. The penitential days and times of the universal church are every Friday of the whole year and the season of Lent. Every Friday
1: of the whole year and <laughs> the season of Lent. That's a whole other Lent. podcast. We'll let Catholic Stuff, you sh- should know take care of that one.
0: <laughs> abstinence from meat or from some other food, as determined by the Episcopal Conference, is to be observed on all Fridays, unless a solemnity should fall on that Friday. Dum dum dum. Man, yeah, I like that. Yeah. By fulfilling their own obligations more faithfully, right? Especially by observing fasts and abstinence.
1: I think I, that part is really cool. Like, there's something about that, that. I'm just like, what does it mean to fulfill things more, more faithfully? trying to understand that a little bit yeah and people
0: if you want to read this for yourself i have a link in our show notes just go to our show notes at catchingfoxes.fm slash 130 and you can get um i, I put the the canon in there
1: all that good stuff nice
0: <whistles> luke luke <whistles> luke we are all so broken
1: we man, I, we started out kind of weak on the unconfession part got good needed to take a break to kind of uh, relax for a bit and then we nailed it home run all right luke where can people find you at the luke v on twitter i'm on instagram at cf underscore luke the podcast is on instagram as well catching underscore foxes we're on facebook at catching foxes podcast twitter at c at c foxes podcast I terribly run most of those. Uh, well, what about you, Gormley? Uh, don't. Just
0: go. To, don't try to find me.
1: Yeah, don't. Just yeah. go
0: to the Catching Foxes Facebook page. That's the goal for me. Um, if you go to CatchingFoxes.fm, uh, there is a contact form in any mail that you send. Listen, people, we've gotten, we probably got about 20 emails in the last, like, three days. And they're all asking big questions. So on top of Facebook <laughs> stuff. So I, fo- I do forward them to Luke. When I just yeah. can't answer. And some of the questions are just for Luke and other stuff. But um, please know, we're, we've we read them all. I really am not going to be responding to anything for at least the next two weeks. I am so yeah, jammed with tough. stuff. But, uh, but please know that I have read everything that you've written, people.
1: We appreciate it a lot. We do. We do. And I want to really show great. my
0: appreciation by responding to you. But right now, it is almost <laughs> impossible to do that. So, yeah. hey, Luke, real quick, let's update everyone. How's your IKEA furniture?
1: Good, good. So, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to uh, have it here till, um, till like next week because this week just ends up being I've got a retreat and I have an event. Oh. But, I, 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 but I I, went through again and I know how much money I have to spend. And I found some, I'm really excited about it. So, it's gonna be delivered here next week. And so, my goal is to do by the next episode, should have most of it here.
0: Whenever you use the phrase next episode, I always think of Dr. Dre. So just chill to the next episode, episode.
1: Hey, 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 hey.